0: What do you think? Are those leaders whose faces are on the screen are they in position because God put them there? All of them? Even Vladimir Putin? Even North Korea's leader, Kim Jong Un? What about this leader? Does anyone know who that is? Nero, yep. The Roman Emperor Nero, who was ruling at the time when Paul wrote his letter to the Romans. Did God put Nero in place? Well, that's one of the questions Paul is going to address this morning. We are looking at Paul's letter to the Romans, and at the moment we are in a section of Romans that deals with living the gospel. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we began this section in chapter 12, and this is how Paul introduced the section in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That was the introduction. Chapters 12 to 15 show us how to live in view of God's mercy. Specifically, his mercy shown through Jesus Christ, who died as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's the greatest display there's ever been of God's mercy. And in response to that mercy, we are to live lives of total worship. And this morning, we're going to discover that our attitude to government is to be part of our worship. We're going to read in Romans chapter 13. So if you haven't turned there, it's page 1140 or in the large print Bibles, 1762. We'll read verses 1 to 7 of Romans 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commanded. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. This is God's word. And God's word tells us we are to worship God by submitting to government. Now, we'll have to think carefully about what it means to submit to government, about the kind of submission we are called to as Christians. But Paul begins here by telling us why we are to submit. In verses 1 and 2, we are to submit to the government for God's sake. Verses 1 and 2 will flesh this out for us. But first, notice who Paul is talking to here. In verse 1, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. That means you or I are not the exceptions to what Paul is saying. You may have voted Labour at the last election. Or UKIP. But you are not exempt from the call to submit to your Tory and Lib Dem government. Why? Because God puts every government in place. That's why we're to submit to government for God's sake. Look again at the middle of verse 1. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Of course, from our perspective, we look at rulers and world leaders, and they may have come to power through a democratic process or through a military coup, Or because they're just next in line to inherit the power. But the Bible tells us that in every case, the hand of God is behind the process. The book of Daniel tells us the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Now, does that mean God excuses the evil that some rulers do? No. But it does mean all rulers, without exception, have been put in their position by God. Structures of human authority are part of God's plan. And so, verses 1 and 2 also tell us Christians are not anti-authority. We live in a culture that's pretty strongly anti-authority. People don't like to be under authority. They don't like being told what to do. And they don't like obeying. Of course, in the UK, most people don't take to the streets in rebellion. They show their rebellion by constantly grumbling about authority. By complaining that their leaders and their bosses are idiots. They don't know what they're doing. If only I was in charge. That's usually how it goes in this country. But as Christians, we are not to have that kind of attitude. That's not the posture we are to take towards authority. Jonathan Edwards had a helpful way of explaining this. He said that Christians will not desire that all should be on a level. For they know it is best that some should be above others. And so, Christians will give others the honor which is due to them. Christians will not begrudge the fact that some people are above them. In the sense of having authority over them. That is incredibly countercultural today. Yes, plenty of people agree that some should be above others, but only if they're the ones who get to be at the top. How many today are willing to honor others as superiors and submit to them? They might show deference to their superior's face. But how many honor their superiors behind their superiors' back? And even as Christians, we can try to baptize our own anti-authority attitude. We can try to excuse it by saying, well, we have a godless government. Look what they're doing. Chiseling away at our Christian freedoms undermining biblical marriage. And we might say, my boss, if only you knew him or her, is unreasonable and ungodly. My leaders don't deserve my respect. And so we try and justify what's really an anti-authority attitude. We're okay with feeling scornful towards our government and our employer. And what we're really saying is, I will show honor to leaders who do what I want. But that's not what the Bible calls us to. We are called to honor and submit to the governing authorities for God's sake. Because he put them there. Look one more time at verse 2. Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. The judgment mentioned there is God's judgment. This is serious. You and I must not buy into our culture's anti-authority mindset. When we do, we're conforming to the pattern of this world. And in chapter 12, we were told not to do that. Now, of course, this raises some major questions. What about unjust government? What about laws that contradict Scripture? You might wonder, is Paul being naive here? Does he not know that government can be rotten? Well, if you think about Paul's life, you will know he is certainly not naive. Remember, he lived under Nero's government. Nero was a notorious tyrant, he was crazy. And Paul was unjustly imprisoned by local governors. And he was beaten unjustly. And he was left in prison unjustly. Paul is well aware that human governments often do evil. Paul has the scars on his back and the years in prison to prove that. And yet, he is not anti-authority. He knows structures of human authority are part of God's plan. And so Paul calls us to honor those in authority. But we also need to see Paul is not calling for unconditional support to human authorities. Here in verses 1 and 2, as well as telling us that God puts every government in place, and therefore Christians are not anti-authority, as well as making those points, Paul is also making clear that God is the highest authority. The God who installed Nero and David Cameron and Angela Merkel is the God who has authority over those leaders. And so we are to give appropriate respect to human leaders while realizing always that our ultimate authority is God. We're not to be scornful towards our government, nor are we to give unquestioning allegiance to our government. Our allegiance is ultimately to God. We submit to government for his sake. And when government tries to defy God's authority, we maintain our allegiance to God. There's a good illustration of this in the book of Acts. The apostles have been preaching about Jesus in Jerusalem. The Jewish leaders arrest them and tell them very clearly to stop. The apostles do not stop. And this is what happens next. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin. That's the leadership council of the Jews. To be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. God is the highest authority. In fact, that may be why, in Romans 13, verse 1, Paul does not use the word obey. He says, be subject to the governing authorities. So we're to recognize that God has set up a hierarchy of human authority. And in that hierarchy, the governing authorities are above us. So we're to respect them. And normally, that will mean obeying them. But not always. Because God Himself is at the top of the hierarchy. The government does not have absolute authority over us, God does. Why has God instituted human governments? What are they there for? Well that's what Paul turns to in verses 3 to 5. In these verses he explains the responsibility of government. Verse 3, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commanded. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. In these verses, Paul is not stating the way things always are. He's explaining the way they are supposed to be. And John Stott sums up verses 3 and 4 like this. He says, the state's functions... Are to promote and reward the good and to restrain and punish the evil. That's what they're there for. And we've seen before that good and evil are determined by God's standard. What is good is what's according to God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Everything that's against his will is evil. And God's will is not something you and I have to guess at. We don't have to wait for an angelic visit before we can know God's will. God's will is set out for us in the Bible. A couple of very obvious examples are, do not murder and do not steal. God has given government the responsibility of punishing murderers and thieves. You and I do not have that responsibility. We saw that last week at the end of chapter 12, in chapter 12, verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. You and I are not to avenge evil. That's God's right. And he has, in part, delegated that authority to the government and the law courts. Look again at chapter 13, verse 4. If you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. We know from earlier in Romans that there will be a final, definitive outpouring of God's wrath. That will take place at the end of this age. There's plenty of sin that goes unpunished during this age. But it will be punished. So there will be a final day of God's wrath. But Romans also told us God's wrath is being poured out today too. In a lesser way. And now we learn that happens partly through human governments punishing wrongdoers. When verse 4 says rulers bear the sword, it means they have the authority to punish wrong. And when they do, it's an expression of God's wrath against wrong. Now, is Paul suggesting that when Nero punished criminals, he thought of himself as God's agent of wrath? No, I'm sure that thought never entered Nero's mind. And yet, when Nero punished evil, he was serving God. And the reverse of that is also true. When a ruler refuses to punish evil, or starts punishing what God says is right, and dealing out injustice, at that point the ruler is failing in his or her God-given responsibility. This is what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. God has not put the sword in rulers' hands so they can use it for injustice and oppression he will hold rulers accountable for how they use the power he's given. The God who puts governments in place also sovereignly removes governments. So here in our passage, there's a double-edged message. The same verses that call you and me to submit to rulers are telling rulers they'd better submit to God. They'd better carry out the responsibility God has given them. We're to honor our leaders and they're to honor God by promoting and rewarding good and restraining and punishing evil. In a few moments, we'll think about how we should respond when government doesn't do that. But first, let's think about the positive. Now, I know you and I, and I'm sometimes just as guilty, we may moan about our government. We may get exasperated and angry about some of the laws that, gets pa- that get passed. But let's pause and have some perspective on our situation. We have massive reasons to thank God for our government. And for the system of government in this country. We have no idea in this country what it's like to live under a dictatorship, with no peaceful way of bringing about a change in government. We have no idea what it's like to live without the rule of law. There are parts of the world today where armed gangs rule roaming around, pillaging and murdering at will, unchecked by any government at all. We have no idea what it's like to have to pay bribes for normal services or else go without those services. We have no idea of the privilege of being able to pick up the phone and dial 999 and someone will be there to hear us and help us. Thank God for the police force we have in this country. Thank God for the justice system. Sure, it's not perfect. It doesn't do much by way of rewarding good. But by and large, it really does promote good. And it really does restrain and punish evil. We are blessed. When it comes to government, God has been very gracious to us in the UK. So then, that being the case, how do you and I submit to government? That's what verse 1 called us to do verse 5, repeated that call. So what does it involve? What's required of us? Paul gives us some help in verses 6 to 7. How we submit to government. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes... Pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. How do we submit to government? We pay our dues, whatever they are. Taxes. Import and export duty. License fees. Insure your car. Keep to speed limits. Wear a seatbelt. Don't park in disabled parking spots unless you are disabled. Don't park in double yellow lines. Comply with building regulations. No fly tipping. Abide by copyright laws. And on and on and on. Is that worship? Yes, it is. The authorities that exist have been established by God. We honor him by keeping the speed limits those authorities set and by putting our rubbish where they tell us to put it. And we honor him by doing it all graciously and respectfully. We are not worshiping God if we swear at the traffic warden. Or if we shout down the phone to the lady from the council. We are not worshipping God if we shred our bosses behind their backs. That's being conformed to the pattern of this world. If you have a proper complaint, make your complaint the proper way. And with respect. Your boss was put there by God. Now, they are responsible to God for how they exercise their authority. Your responsibility and mine is to respect their position of authority. Again, that does not mean you give your boss unconditional obedience. It does mean you give unfeeling respect to your boss even when you're disagreeing or making a complaint but what do we do when those who are in authority reward evil and punish good well paul you notice doesn't mention it here his purpose here is purely to make our positive responsibility clear. But he has already shown us what to do if those in authority do the opposite of what they're supposed to do. In chapter 12, verse 9, Paul said, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. When those in authority defy God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, at that point we do what the apostles did in Acts. We obey God rather than human beings. And Daniel gives us an example of how to disobey government. As a young man, Daniel was taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. At one point, King Darius of Babylon signed a decree. And the decree said that no one was to pray to anyone apart from Darius. If they did, they'd be thrown to the lions. Clearly, very clearly, that was an evil decree. God's people needed to disobey it. How did Daniel go about his disobedience? Well, this is what we're told. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. In the face of Darius' evil law, Daniel quietly got on with clinging to what was good, just as he had done before. And the consequence was he was thrown to the lions. If you or I are going to disobey, we have to be ready to accept the consequences of our disobedience. God will not always take the sting out of those consequences the way he did for Daniel. It costs to obey God rather than human beings. We've mentioned the possibility of disobedience to rulers. But we've also noticed that our passage is actually about submission. It's not about defiance. Structures of human authority are part of God's plan. Normally, our responsibility is to respect and honor those authorities by obeying them. Here in England... By and large, we have no reason to defy the state in order to honor God. We're blessed to have a state that largely does uphold right and punish wrong. And with that in mind, we're going to take time now to obey another New Testament command. The command to pray for those in authority. (coughs) So let's respond to what we've read by turning to God in prayer. Lord God, we acknowledge that sometimes, sometimes for good reasons and sometimes for bad reasons, we find it hard to accept what we've read in these verses. But we acknowledge that you have set up governing authorities to preserve order in this world. And we first of all thank you for the system of government in this country. For all of its imperfections, we are thankful. We're thankful for a system that allows us to have some say in those who represent us. We're thankful for a system of justice that is not corrupted by bribery. We're thankful for a police force that is held accountable and that works to uphold the law rather than operating outside the law. And we pray now for the current parliament and especially for our Prime Minister and his Cabinet. We ask that under their authority, we will be able to continue living peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We pray that they will increasingly promote and reward good and restrain and punish evil. We pray that under their authority, we will not be hindered in carrying out our responsibility to be your witnesses. To proclaim your word and to live according to your word. And if the time ever comes when in greater or lesser ways, we must defy our rulers or our employers in order to honor you, then if that time comes, give us courage and equally enable us to do it with grace so that even in our defiance, we show respect. We remember that our Savior is the light of this world and in all that we do, we want to spread his light So help us. Amen. (laughs) Our final songs remind us that God himself is the...